Friday, December 30th. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander with me and got a lot of stuff to get to, including uh, a discussion about Saturday's biggest game, which is Villanova at Creighton in the uh, amazing calendar year uh, that the Wildcats are on the verge of closing. Uh, plus, Louisville, Indiana play tomorrow. Both of them are coming off losses. We will talk about that. Duke is at Virginia Tech, minus Grayson Allen. We will get into that. Uh, but first things first. Glad Butler is okay. What a scary story involving the Bulldogs. It's got nothing to do with their uh, upset loss at St. John's on Thursday night. They chartered a plane home and apparently lost cabin pressure. Uh, they had to uh, make an emergency landing. Like the the, the the mask came down. Like all the stuff you see in a movie um, that is a, a, just a, a, a terrifying scene. Everybody's okay, but uh, uh, what a weird basketball story to wake up to this morning, huh? Yeah, that's uh, definitely frightening. Glad everyone is okay. They actually, so they're gonna they're busing at home in the process of us recording this podcast from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis. That's almost what six hours, and the team decided to do it one because they couldn't get a plane until later Friday anyway. So getting home by bus actually will get them home faster. Plus, I've got to believe that there are a number of people that would just have, even though statistically it's much more dangerous to travel by road than by plane. Um, the fact of the matter is when you're involved in that kind of situation on a plane, like less than 12 hours prior, you're going to feel much more at ease and much safer uh, riding on the road heading home uh, than having to get in a plane, fly in the air again, do all that stuff. So definitely uh, really happy everyone's okay. I did uh, speak with a Butler assistant this morning uh, and therefore sports information director. Um, you know, it was – just a, a, a freaky and surreal scene uh, just because, you know, the mask when the masks come down, then you feel like, OK, this is this is very much for real. And it was a big descent. Um, you know, the lights go off, the emergency lights uh, turn on. Um, Chris Holtman told our buddy Jeff Goodman that it actually started to feel really cold. And that's kind of a, a frightening thing overall to just even think about, because obviously, you know, you're so high up in the air. The temperature is cold up there. And then once once those things kind of set in, you start descending rapidly Fortunately, uh, they're okay, and this is just a reminder that pilots uh, kind of have a thankless job in a, in a certain way, just because um, <laughs> they, you know, they are trained for these kinds of things. And it's uh, it's amazing to me that there are so few plane crashes uh, in this country annually. It's it's really incredible when you consider how many flights there are. Um, so yeah, happy that they're okay. And it now, you know, is rightfully overshadowing what was a surprising loss for Butler on the road at St. John's uh, to start off Big East play. Butler had been so good in the non-conference, but uh, but we'll see if they can regroup. They host Providence at home on Sunday. You ever had a, a scare in a plane like that, or or anything? Uh, Did you hold ever? On, let me get let me get some wood to knock on here. Uh, Have you ever had a moment no. where you felt like, oh no, this right, this might really be it? Knocking on wood again? Yeah. No, I have never. I've never had a truly, you know, bad plane experience. I've had a couple of things of turbulence where it's been rough and rocky, um, but I've never had anything. And I've heard story. I mean, you talk with coaches; they travel all the time. Right. You'll you'll definitely get coaches that'll say, you know, no, you know, back in 
this year, that year, whatever, going here, here, there, red eye, whatever, because they tra- coaches travel between games and and recruiting. They definitely, almost all of them, have had one or two, you know, big time scary scenarios. I don't know if quite on the level of Butler. I mean, guys were texting their family members just in case. Um, what about you? I've never had one where the mask came down, right? And I can't imagine what that's like because you do start to think the worst. Um, you know, and and you you, I assume you start to think that this this really might be it. I've had one where we were landing. This was in Raleigh, I think. I know I was going to a Duke Carolina game. I can't remember if I flew into Charlotte or Raleigh. But um, really, really windy. And our pilot, like, was going to overrun the runway or, like, was going to land with not enough runway. So, like, imagine this. We're landing, like, as you normally would, except it's really windy so you can feel the plane shaking back and forth. And then he abruptly just takes up, you know – it goes back up in the air. So you're, you're preparing to hit the ground and land, yeah. but he, he pulls the plane back up and we went straight back up into the air and then circled around and then had to land again. And the reason is because he thought he was going to run out of runway. So that was pretty scary. If only because like, it's something you never experienced. Like if a plane's on the way down, it, you, you, you ultimately like wheels touch pavement. You don't ever expect for it to just be jerked back up into the air. And so that was uh, that was so scary for only a moment because it was like it was out of nowhere. It was, and then it was, and then you realized everything was fine and whatever. The other time, uh, we were, I was, I was going to New York and I had I had Kelly and Aiden with me. We only had one child at the time, so it was a while ago. Going to I think for the Big East tournament, and we got above New York, and the I mean, just the thunderstorm was terrible. I mean, just awful. And we were, uh, you know, basically circling New York because we couldn't find a window to land. Like they couldn't land the plane. The weather was so bad. So we're just flying above New York and the turbulence was awful. And we circled New York for like 45 minutes and it was bounce, bounce, bounce the whole time. I am not exaggerating. If there were a hundred and... Let's just say 100. Keep it simple. If there were 100 people on the plane, 50 of them threw up. Like it, it was I, like and I'm, I'm used to like the turbulence doesn't bother me. But like the sound of other people throwing up like yeah. almost made me throw up like you could not have been on a row anywhere in that plane where either somebody in front of you or behind you has not puked into the back. I mean, it was awful. Bounce, 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 bounce. So then we uh, coincidentally. Uh, had to do an emergency landing in Pittsburgh, same way as Butler did. I remember this. Yeah. Yes. So we landed in Pittsburgh. They say, stay close to the gate because we need to, uh, you know, we're waiting for a weather window to open up and then we'll be able, we're, we're, so we're going to depart quickly and then we will get you to LaGuardia. So we all stay next to the gate, but within the hour, like they put us back on the plane, fly back to New York, or whatever window was supposed to be open, closed. Right. And we yeah. just, and we circle New York again for like another hour, same thing. The just turbulence and people throwing up. I mean, just awful. And finally, they took us back to Pittsburgh. We just stayed the night in Pittsburgh. Like, I missed the what? I'm not I remember sh- that. That was my first year at CBS because I, I do remember that. Yeah. I remember that yeah. Like, I, I didn't think I was going to die, but I wasn't 100% sure we were going to live. It, it just, it was in the sound of just everybody getting sick on the plane was just, ugh. But uh, no, I've never seen the mask come down. So, uh, yeah, thank whoever you want to thank for for uh, Butler being okay because that is a that was an absolute uh, scary thing to read uh, this morning. And as you pointed out, uh, that program has been through enough. 
you know, with the yeah, uh, the death. They are ready to get to 2017. It's been a, it's been an emotionally exhausting year for that program. Right. So uh, thank God uh, they're okay. Uh, before we look ahead to Saturday's games, let's look back uh, to another Wednesday night, uh, just fabulous game and what has been a fabulous college basketball season. Um, I think you and I were talking to the preseason, and one of the things I mentioned was that, you know, I just I don't feel like there's any great storylines or there's any and you know like this is turning like I I had underestimated or underappreciated what was possible with this basketball season because uh, to date it has been awesome and Wednesday night was uh, the latest uh, example with that unbelievable game between Oregon and UCLA uh, played at Oregon looked like Oregon was in control most of the game. Then UCLA takes control late. Then Bryce Offord misses the front end of a one-and-one. One. Next thing you know, Dylan Brooks is uh, hit a game-winning uh, buzzer-beater three-pointer uh, to give UCLA its first loss. I know you wrote about it, but uh, you know we were talking about Carolina-Kentucky being the game of the year, and I still think it is, uh, but this is on the short list so far. Yeah, it'd be on the top five. Um very well played. It had offense and it had some defense. I mean, people want to uh, hit on UCLA for not being great defensively. I get that. But if you watch the game, actually, they, there were spots there where they were able to push back on Oregon and make their run in the second half. Lonzo Ball actually didn't even have that great of a game, but he had three huge three-pointers. And then he had a big move uh, on Brooks near the end that looked like it could potentially be sort of a game-sealing uh, drive to the 10 and a nice uh, a nice layup, kind of a, an NBA move, to be honest. And then Brooks, listen, we spoke about him on the last podcast. He was my preseason national player of the year. He hasn't had really uh, huge moments yet. This was obviously one, not just hitting the three-pointer to win the game, but he had a pretty good game overall on the whole. I did give some love in the story to Peyton Pritchard, who hit, in my opinion, a much tougher shot the possession before. He had Alfred's hand in his face. Brooks hit his shot with with Lonzo right up on his grill. It was, it was a tough shot, nothing but net, beautiful shot. Um, but Pritchard, a freshman, got it on the wing, kind of forced it, hits the three. It, it kind of keeps Oregon alive. And then for Alford, who's one of the best foul shooters in the sport, to miss the front end of the one-to-one, -one, that's, that's really, you know, ultimately, it, this is why it's hard to go undefeated. There are many reasons. But inevitably, you're going to run into situations where you have to have things break your way in close games in every possible way. And it's just so hard to expect that every time. And so here, Alford randomly, oddly misses the front end of a one-to-one. -one. If he makes the first one, UCLA is going to win the game. He doesn't make it. And then it takes, you know, a big time shot from Brooks to escape and get out with the victory there. Uh, it's, it's, as I said on the previous podcast, Oregon getting this win makes the Pac-12 race at least interesting because if UCLA had won, I maintain, I don't think they'll lose at home this season. So now we've at least got a little bit of intrigue there. And UCLA is, you know, still a top five team, in my opinion. N nothing too much to worry about in that regard. Thomas Welsh was fantastic. I mean, they've got weapons everywhere. And Oregon, you know, welcome. You are now, I think, at least on the discussion points and radar for college troops this season. Uh, obviously now have their chance to sweep the L.A. area schools. USC, who is yet to lose a game, comes in. And I think Oregon will win that, not necessarily easily, but I don't think it'll be a two-possession game by the time the final horn sounds. I think Oregon gets starts off 2-0 in Pac-12 play. The only thing I would say about you know, uh, UCLA not losing at home this year, which I agree with you, I don't think they will either, um, but they don't have this, the same kind of home court advantage that like a Kansas has or a Duke has or a, a Kentucky has. Like uh, you, you know, it, it, Those fans don't pack Poly Pavilion, even for a top-five team. 
Um, they'll sell out some games, I hope. I mean, geez, if you can't sell out with this team, I don't know how you ever are going to. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, and there are a whole lot of reasons, um, they do not enjoy the same type of home atmosphere that a top five team uh, otherwise might enjoy. And so that makes it easier to catch them, you know, in Pauly as opposed to catching Duke at, at Cameron or catching – uh, Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I still think UCLA is a top five team. I still think UCLA wins the Pac-12, and I will not pick them to lose at home ever. And I don't think they'll lose more than you know three times total in in, in Pac-12 play. Uh, but yeah, more than anything, just a another fun uh, college basketball game. We've had a, a, a pretty decent share of them uh, this season, and so. Uh, that was a, a, a nice one to watch on a on a Wednesday night heading into uh, the new year. I want to look ahead to some of Saturday's games. But first, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long, long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or for that concert or that show that you want to attend. And none of the older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've created an amazing app. Uh, and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to buy tickets for games and concerts. It's the app I use to uh, get Guns N' Roses tickets uh, for that reunion tour this summer. It's the app I use to uh, see Kanye West uh, St. Pablo tour uh, this I fall. I just used a GP to get my brother-in-law tickets to a Devils game. See so there, there we go. This is natural there. integration. I absolutely used it. No and doubt. Did you use the College BB promo code? Without a doubt, my friend. Without How about a doubt. that? So it's the app uh, Norlander uses. It's the app I use. It's the app you should use, too, uh, because, like I said, uh, they're going to do a price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites, and that will ensure you get the best possible deal. And if you use that promo code COLLEGEBB, you're going to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So get on it. Download the SeatGeek app, purchase tickets, use the promo code COLLEGEBB, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, the promo code is CollegeBB. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. Uh, Villanova's at Creighton tomorrow. It's interesting. I, I just uh, wrote a Villanova column that posted earlier today at CBSSports.com. I, I think everybody knows Villanova's been great, like they won the national championship. be hard not to know that. I don't think people understand how great of a calendar year Villanova has had. And so I went to try to do some research on that. And what I found is that um, one, one thing is, and it's uh, a coincidence more than anything else, is that they opened 2016 at Creighton, January 2nd, and they're going to close 2016 at Creighton on January 31st. So it's sort of a, an interesting way to open and close the same year. And in between, to date, they played 40 games. Uh, tomorrow will be their 41st. They are 37 and 3 in the calendar year 2016. They won a Big East regular season title. They won a national championship. They beat big brands like Kansas and North Carolina. And they've won more games in this calendar year than any team in the history of college basketball has ever won in a calendar year already. Even if they lose at Creighton, nobody's ever won 37. Some teams, like Kentucky's won 36 before in a calendar year. Uh, Duke's won 36 before in a calendar year. Nobody's won 37. Villanova's already at 37, obviously, if they get to 38, it will just set that record um, a little bit higher. Uh, some of that is because teams play more games you know, now than they did, say, in the 60s or 70s or 80s. But whatever, uh, the fact is still the fact. Uh, 37 wins and counting in the calendar year uh, 2016. They 
if they beat when if they win at Creighton, they will become just the second school and third team to ever do these things inside of a calendar year. Win a national championship, finish the calendar year with three or fewer losses, and enter the subsequent year ranked number one in the Associated Press poll. Uh, UNLV obviously did it when it won a national championship with, under Tark. Uh, Duke has done it twice. I think it's 1991 and 2002, maybe. Um, you know, finished with fewer than three losses in the calendar year, won a national championship, and entered the subsequent year ranked number one. But that's it. Uh, Villanova has a chance to join that club. They'll be just the third team ever and only the second school to do it in the past 27 years. And so you know, sort of the point I make in the column is that It'll, it'll, it's forever going to be overshadowed because 2016 is the year the Cubs won the World Series. 2016 is the year LeBron delivered a, an NBA title to Cleveland. Um, and, like, the college football playoff is going to be kicking off at ex- like right around the same time that Creighton and Villanova goes final uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so it'll be overshadowed in the moment. It'll be overshadowed historically. Um, but... Undeniably, Villanova has had one of the best calendar years in the history of college basketball, and I don't know if people quite grasp that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you laid it out pretty succinctly there. It's been huge for the Big East, for the program. I don't think it will be lost in general because of the unprecedented way that the title game ended. I think that 2016 will be the year of the Cubs and LeBron and Golden State blowing at 3-1 and all that. Um, but I think Villanova's got to be the third biggest, maybe fourth biggest. If you want to throw in lump in the Olympics in general, you could. I think it will also be remembered for that. Um, I, th- I don't think we're in a bubble here. I mean, just because of how tremendous the game was and the tournament's such a huge event every year, um, this is an interesting thing that you've picked up on, though, GP. Just... In terms of 2016 as a calendar year, start to finish, now they've got a really tough game. I don't think they're going to win. I think Creighton will win. It's got the game on its home floor. I think Creighton's really good. I think Creighton's got the ability to flirt with a two-seed even this season with what it's done so far. And similar to UCLA, I would be surprised if Creighton loses at home. I've now, never been in that building. Have it's you, great. Have you been in the building? Was, yeah, I, I've heard it's great. I've never been. I've heard it's also like sizable, too. It's almost like in terms of appearance and feel, a pro it? arena, but with a college crowd. Oh, sure. No, it's it's excellent. And it has always been excellent. Like uh, uh, even when they were in the NBC, like, you know, p- the people in Omaha go to those basketball games and support that program immensely. And um, now that it's in the Big East, it's just ratcheted up a, another level. I was there for Doug McDermott Senior Day. I happened to be That's doing right. sideline reporting. Um, for, I guess it was Creighton and Providence, and like Doug went for, like for like uh, did he go for forty something like it, like whatever it was he needed so many points to get to, you know like what some significant number, in career points and like he, he smashed it in the first half like he, it was it was an awesome day to be there. In fact, it's one of my favorite, um, it's one of my favorite memories of like being in a college basketball arena because you have this amazing story like this father coaching his son who developed into one of the greatest college basketball players of all time and like like don't ever get it twisted Doug McDermott statistically speaking is one of the greatest college basketball players of all time and 
you know, you have a you know, father, um, you know, and not to, like the mom's there. Imagine what that's like watching your husband and your son enjoy this moment together, uh, family there. And like, you know, it, it Doug put on an all time performance on his last game in that arena uh, in front of a capacity crowd. It was just a it was it was one of those times. You know how it is. You go to enough of these things. It's like, all right, what time's my flight home tomorrow? Like it, it does sometimes not all the time, but sometimes start to feel like a job. And uh, that that was a night that it didn't at all. Like I, I enjoyed being there because I felt like I was watching uh, a an all time great college basketball performance from an all-time great college basketball player, but also just a really special moment in the, in the lives of a, of a family that I've gotten to know over the years and, and really like. So um, where we were talking earlier that UCLA doesn't have a, an intense home court advantage, uh, Creighton absolutely does. And I, I tend to, to uh, while recognizing it's a coin flip game and who knows, um, yeah, gun to head, I, I'd probably take the home team in this game because – uh, that the, the Creighton team's really, really good. Like undefeated and really good, terrific offensively. Uh, they got great guard play. Um, they've got a like a, a future pro playing in the front court, and uh, that home court advantage is going to be a lot for Villanova to under overcome. Now, keep in mind, Villanova's already won at Purdue, and I think as we've watched this season unfold, you recognize, like I don't know how many other people are going to win at Purdue this year. Maybe nobody. So they can go on the road and win a game, but. I guess the larger point I was trying to make with the column is like whatever whatever happens uh, Saturday at Creighton, Villanova has already turned in one of the all-time great uh, calendar years in, in college basketball history. Uh, like I said, in 1990, UNLV went 35-3 and in that calendar year, won the national championship, and was number one entering 1991. Duke did it in 1992. They won the national title, finished the calendar year 36-2, and and was number one entering 1993. Then Duke did it again in 2001, went 35-3 and in the calendar year, won the national championship, and was number one entering 2002. But that's it. You know, since UNLV in 1990, Duke's the only program to have done uh, the, those three things, win a national championship, finish with three or fewer losses in a calendar year, and enter the subsequent year ranked number one. And if Villanova does win tomorrow, um, they'll join that list. It's been uh, real, quick. real, yeah. real it's, like, it's, remarkable. Surprising stat that uh, was passed along by Creighton expert SID Rob Anderson. This is surprising to me because Big East has been around, you know, since the 70s. It's only the second time ever that the Big East has ever had a game where two teams entered both undefeated. Now, obviously, for that to happen, league play, especially back in the day, didn't really get going until January. So you'd have to have two teams that were really good that didn't happen to lose a game and then the schedule fell the right way. Um, the only t- other time it happened was in 89, Georgetown and Seton Hall played, and they didn't, their records you know, combined for, what, 21-0, I think, and, and obviously Nova and Creighton are 25-26 uh, wins combined. So really, from that perspective, just in terms of statistics and records, it's, it's the biggest regular season game in the history of the conference because you've never had two teams this highly ranked, both undefeated, meeting this far into the season. So yeah. it's it's pretty awesome. And if, if Nova loses, it doesn't take any shine off their 2016 overall. If, if they do lose, um, then, yes, the Big East race will get really interesting. If they win, I mean, if they win, just that's a really tough place to win. And no other team should be necessarily placed ahead of them in terms of, okay, Nova can win a title again, especially if they win convincingly, GP. If they don't, fine. We'll talk about it on Monday's podcast. But if they if they go in 
and are able to handle Creighton, it's not going to say anything less about Creighton. I think it would be more about Villanova yeah. and still the number one team. Like, as you said, Duke is the favorite, but that would to me that would be a, a pretty huge statement win to close out the year that's all yeah I'm, I'm not picking Villanova to win a national championship but anybody who tells you they can't do it is crazy like they they absolutely can go back to back become the first team to go back to back uh, since Florida of course did it in 2006 2007 they are not the favorite they're ranked number one but they're not the favorite according to Las Vegas odds makers they're not even the second favorite I don't believe I, at least as recently it was, as UCLA, a, yeah. it was UCLA just a couple of days ago um, but can they do it Sure, and I don't mean they can do it because anything's possible. I mean, there's probably about eight, nine teams that can realistically, you know, hope of, of winning a national championship. Like, anybody can try to do it and dream about it, but can you realistically put it on your to-do list? There's about, you know, seven, eight, nine teams. But Villanova's one of them, and, and they're probably in the top half of that list as opposed to the bottom half. So uh, what an awesome New Year's Eve we've got planned uh, ahead. I had somebody ask me earlier today, so you got any big New Year's Eve plans? Well, A, no. I have three kids, one of whom isn't even supposed to be born for another week. <laughs> so, so no, yeah. we're staying home. But, um, yeah, even, even if I had no kids, like, what a great day to just stay home. You get Villanova Creighton. Um, tipping at, you know, I guess it's one Eastern, and then right as it wraps up, you get Alabama Washington college football playoff. Then you get uh, Clemson Ohio State college football playoff. It's a great sports television uh, day. It is, although so I will. I do have some New Year's plans. I'll, I'll go to a, a buddy's house, um, and the game will kind of be on in the background. Like last year, we didn't really watch. I don't know. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm definitely psyched for the. For the football playoff i love that it's here and all that uh but it happening on new year's eve it's, it's, it's awful not, it, you know it's arrogant i know they're changing it too uh, yeah, right and they can change it here but like but i'll just be honest like the game will be on but i'm gonna be like I don't, you know i got a buddy who throws a new year's party every year he's got a he's got a nice house it's awesome to go to it's it's fun and we'll have the game on there'll be guys there that are interested i'll have buddies that will absolutely have hundreds of dollars on the game and so that will be part of it but it's it's definitely uh, it feels like there's something that's taken away from it by having it on new year's eve i know they're trying to change that and right. and, and not have it on weekends and all that stuff well, going forward when new year's eve is on a weekend but uh but it makes for a great day but i'm just saying like that second game will wrap up probably around 11 15 or so right it's the second game is 7 7 7 15 kickoff or something like that so i mean on the east coast at least i don't know it's it's there but it's it's more like wallpaper for the evening than a than a central event because new year's eve is a is a deal where a lot of people like go out and do other things they don't they don't make their plans around a football game even no. if the football game is a huge one that's all well like last year was even worse because it, it new year's eve happened to fall on a weekday so like people were at work the college football, like the national semifinal in college football was kicking off and like half of america yeah. was half of america was working um like office jobs and stuff and so you know, as you get older and you have children, I, you know, we, uh, like, we, we went to my brother-in-law's house last year, but like we didn't go out, out. And so the football game's on and we all watched it and whatever, but you're exactly right. Like the, the folks in charge of the college football playoff, when they initially announced they were going to do these on New Year's Eve, um, it was announced with such arrogance. They were like, we're going to change New Year's Eve habits. Well, no, you're not. Like, you know, pe people still like to go out and, you know, every restaurant in America is 
full. Every bar in America is full. Like you, you're not gonna ch- like make a billion people decide to you know, stay home to watch, you know, Ohio State versus Clemson. Like, what are you talking about? And the television ratings last year showed that. Like, it it, it was an, yeah. it was embarrassing for them because um, they've got this unbelievable product, but they put it. Like literally at the one time where you can't put it and and because most people are not most people, but millions and millions and millions of people who would otherwise be at home and watching are not at home. And and so they're not watching and uh, they're smart to move away from that. Uh, sometimes these these power brokers are so stubborn um, like they were for years in fighting against the, the college football playoff. And like they will be for however long, fighting against an expanded playoff, and then we'll we'll ultimately get to that day as well. But they're often so stubborn um, to try to prove a point, or just because they're hard headed, or for whatever reason. Uh, but but thankfully they they're not stubborn about this. It doesn't affect my viewing. Like I'm like I said, I'd be home tomorrow anyway. But there's a lot of people who aren't who would watch those games tomorrow, who aren't going to watch those games tomorrow because they're bartenders who have to work, they're waitresses who have to work. They're people who, you know, take their wives or their girlfriends or their mistresses out for uh, New Year's Eve dinners. <laughs> I don't know if mist- mistresses on a New Year's Eve. I don't know if that's prime. I don't know if I don't know if uh, December thirty one is a prime mistress night. But I'm gonna take your word. For it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I feel like you know August eleventh, <laughs> maybe March twenty, April fifteenth, something like that. You know, tax day. You're at the office late, supposedly. Those might be big mistress days. I don't. I don't think you're real. Listen, I, you're a player. If you can, if you can pull off New Year's Eve, then more power. Did to you I ever tell you about the the, the the weird New Year's Eve I had with this girl I was seeing like many, but like a bazillion yes. years ago. You've, uh, you've said yes. You've told the story on the podcast. Holy well. crap! Jeez. Uh, like just so that's my. Uh, Perhaps that's why that popped into my head. By the, <laughs> by the way, she wasn't my mistress. I was 22 years old. I was her side piece, I guess is what the way you would describe me. <laughs> I, I was the one in the right. She was the one in the wrong. But uh, Oh, uh, my goodness. The, the day, by the way. Hopefully hopefully she's doing okay these days. I'm yeah, sure she is. She's a sweet girl. Listen, I like that college basketball will at least set the table for college football because not only do you have Creighton Nova – we get Louisville, Indiana. Uh, that game is on CBS, by the way, which I believe is the network of stars, right? It's GP? America's most watched network and the network of stars. Yeah. So that's suddenly a game with plenty of urgency to it and some meaning to it because they're both coming off losses. Indiana, obviously much worse. I mean, they were handled by Tim Miles in Nebraska, and that's a Nebraska team that I think will be under 500 when we get to the end of the year. Not a good loss for Indiana. That that IU win in the Big Ten pick by you is not off the table, but mm. it's it's much harder to see right now because not only do they lose it, but they lose it at home. Right. So you drop a game like that. Now it's even more urgent. This this IU Louisville tilt will be on a neutral in Indianapolis. I'm intrigued by it. Um, do we have a line on that yet, GP? Do we know uh, what the, I have do not it? seen a line posted on that. My yet. guess would be Louisville t- minus two. I haven't seen one either. That's my guess. Um, you think Louisville will be favored over Indiana in Indianapolis? Maybe. I do. By uh, two. Kim Palm hasn't projected to win 74-71 Louisville, so okay. that suggests Louisville will be favored in the game. Yeah. Um, but I bet it's not I, three. I'll, I bet it's like I bet it's like two, one, one and a half, yeah, two. Yeah, I would think so. But now, yeah, Indiana's just got a couple of weird losses. The Fort Wayne one, now the Nebraska one. Um, I don't know. Thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, for me? I, well, first off, let's back up. Like that, you know – Indiana and Louisville both took losses the other night. Um, Indiana's is like what happened. How you know you, you can't lose, you can't be a Big Ten contender 
or you shouldn't be a Big Ten contender and losing at home to Nebraska. With all due respect to Tim and Nebraska, like that's not the type of team that ought to be able to go in and beat a, a, a top 20 Indiana team on the road. And the point spread suggested that as well. I think Indiana was like a 14, 15 point favorite in the game. So to lose, that was a massive upset. Um, boy, Virginia, how about, I mean, they look great. I mean, they are great again. Number one in Kempom right now. Yeah. I mean, they had just to go in and do that to Louisville. Um, and now they beat, since we're on this calendar year theme, I, I, I actually think this is how I started thinking in terms of calendar year for that Villanova thing. Um, because of the way the schedule fell, Virginia and Louisville played three times in the calendar year 2016. Uh, twice last season, obviously, and then once this season. And uh, uh, Virginia won all three and like held Louisville to miserable percentages and point totals in all three games. Like, you know, Rick Pitino is, is undeniably one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball and his teams just uh, for whatever reason uh, struggle immensely. And it's not for whatever reason, like it's a mystery, like it's for, for obvious reasons, they struggle um, uh, immensely with Tony Bennett's teams. And I, I wrote that, and then somebody, I think, correctfully, they're probably just trying to be a smart ass, but like they were correct, pointed out on Twitter, like whose whose team doesn't struggle with Tony Bennett's teams? Like who doesn't Tony Bennett give fits? And that's a fair point. Like his um, his style of coaching and the 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 program he's created uh, and the culture he's established, like almost regardless of the pieces, it feels like they're just going to to just be be this every single year, basically without exception. It feels like hey, they, they lose whoever they lose. Keep in mind they lost their most talented player, like, you know, in November. doesn't seem to matter. Like, so, you know, yeah, Indiana-Louisville tomorrow, I, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, still, I walk out of that thinking, yeah, Louisville could still win the ACC, I guess, Carolina-Duke. But Virginia's going to be right there again. If, if we weren't sure of it in the preseason, we should be uh, sure of it uh, by now. Um, with Indiana – and Louisville, I, I guess I would say this. Indiana is so good offensively that they can beat anybody, anywhere, in any building. In the country. I agree with that. They can, but they're also obviously susceptible to losing to basically anybody because they've got on their resume now losses to Fort Wayne and Nebraska. Uh, Fort Wayne's you know 125th in Ken Palm, Nebraska's 86th. The Nebraska one comes at home. But they've also got wins over North Carolina. Um, got to win over Kansas. So, like, th- th- this is they're going to be one of those teams that could lose in the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament or play for the national championship. I still believe that. I don't know that I would still project them to win the Big Ten. Give you know because it can like these things are often decided by one game, and it could you know that a home loss to Nebraska could be what determines your uh, whether you're you know finish first or third in the Big Ten standings, but. Uh, my my grand opinion about Indiana, at least in terms of what's possible, hasn't changed. Um, I could still see them in the Final Four, uh, but uh, they're obviously susceptible to losing the inferior teams because they've already done it. Uh, they've already done it twice. Shout out to Devin Downey. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that was that was the most that was the most abrupt uh, shout out to Devin Downey we've ever had. You just wanted to make sure we didn't forget it. I just wanted to see if you were ready for it as all. <laughs> I already had it planned. I knew exactly where I was going to use it. Oh, I had to throw it at you there, buddy, because we got a lot of response. Duke, from the last Duke is at Virginia Tech. We'll wrap up with this. There is no Grayson Allen there. Um, it's not like, you know, playing without Devin Downey, but it is 
Like, there it is. But it is, shout out to Tevin Downey. But it is like playing without a guy who was the preseason national player of the year. Is Duke in trouble at Virginia Tech on Saturday? Ooh, you know what? Hmm. I think it might be. Oh, wow. You, 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 you think Buzz Williams might get him. I think they might get him. Um, but, you know, for people that are going to watch this game, you haven't had a lot of chances to see Virginia Tech this year. They haven't had high-profile games. A um, couple, you know, on e- the ESPNU, ESPN2 type, um, back when they had neutral court games earlier in the season. But Michigan, they won, what, at Michigan, right? Um, what, late November? Yeah, I Michigan. think they beat Michigan. Be- I don't have beat Nebraska, beat Nebraska, beat Michigan. Beat Ole Miss. So, yeah, so the Michigan one's good because they won that on the road. That's an impressive win, but I don't even think Michigan personally will wind up as a top 30 team at the end of the season. Um, so this is the first, you know, elite team that Virginia Tech's played. Now they get them on their home floor. They don't have Grayson. I think it'll be really good. I think Virginia Tech's got a, a solid chance at stealing it personally, um, but I'm most intrigued to see how many minutes Giles gets. Duke has had a nice little layoff here since the Allen fallout. It's been more than a week. Um, I'd love to see if Giles can be on the floor for more than 15 minutes and actually be integrated within the offense, and then I think Tatum could also have a pretty big game. If Duke loses, uh, I'll say that happens because Tatum or or Jefferson gets in some serious foul trouble, and they go cold from three. I think that's pretty much the only way that that's going to happen. Not that Tech doesn't have uh, the personnel necessarily to do it. They're, they've got a solid roster. Zach Ladez is a really good player. He was on our top 101 preseason list overall. But we'll see. I, I, Buzz Williams, this is a big moment right here. You know, they, They've had a nice start against a, a strength schedule that hasn't been great overall. Um, but, yeah, I... I if I'm picking, I'm saying Duke. Give me Duke by four, but I, I think it will be close. I'd be surprised if Duke ran away with it. I'd be surprised if Duke runs away with it. It's just hard to win. Like you know, when you're playing a, a top 35 team on the road, like they, I, I don't care who you are. Like you're up against it a little bit. Like even Virginia, I think it was last week, went to Cal and Cal's fine. You know, they're just they're fine. But like you know, they 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 barely got out of there. Um, it can, it can be difficult to go on the road and beat a. A legitimate top 35 team. I think Virginia Tech is right around that. Yeah, Duke in a close one, but yeah, it should be a close one. I believe the point spread's only about you know five, six, seven points. So Vegas thinks it'll be a close one as well. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again in 2017. Be safe out there. Talk to you Monday. Bye.